Hey there, friend. Welcome to the Collide Podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. If you're new around here, and if you're not, if you hop on every week and you subscribe to this podcast, I'm so glad you do. I hope you share it with your friends too. Sometimes it's just the simple things that share the work that we're doing around here at Collide with other women that can encourage and inspire and grow them too. So if you ever listen and think, man, I have a friend who could really be blessed by this conversation. Will you just take that extra moment at the end of this podcast and share it with them? That'd be awesome. Today, I'm going to hand you an interview that I had with Debbie Jackson. She's a former national gymnastics champion. She tried out for two Olympic teams. She won a few national championships. She was in the Hall of Fame at the Seattle Pacific University. And she shared shares about that season of her life and how she's experienced so many other seasons of her life. And there's been victories and there's been loss and there's been injuries and there's been success and there's been so many sort of different experiences she's had through the seasons and how God has shown up in all of those. I think this interview will encourage you in the season that you're in today. Debbie Jackson, I'm so excited to sit down and hang out with you. I feel like I've heard about you for years. I've met you. You hung out a little bit in the Collide office this last spring. And I am so excited that we get to have this sort of sit down connection time. And I get to just throw questions at you and hear all about your life. So thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, there's so many things I want to ask you. Uh, I've heard about you for so many years. And when I started reading about your life, stalking who you are, getting ready for this <laughs> interview, I had no idea that you were a national gymnastics champion and you were blessed to be able to try out for two Olympic teams. You won a few national championships along the way. You're also, uh, from what I read in the Seattle Pacific University Hall of Fame. Can you invite us into the life of an accomplished gymnast? What did that success require of you? And what did gymnastics mean to you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, oh my gosh, what a journey I had. I'm the oldest of five kids. I was super active, uh, tumbling around the house. And when my folks got me involved in gymnastics, it was just a natural for me. All the different events, um, you know, it's not just one event, you know, the bars, beam, florex, tumbling. And in those days, we even did like trampoline, which I was always a little scared oh. of. But, um, <laughs> I early on knew I kind of had a knack for it. And so thankful that my parents were willing to bring me to the lessons that I needed. And we had a nationally ranked coach in Seattle. And ironically, we trained at the Seattle YMCA. So we had to go down to the YMCA, all of us girls. I started later than most kids do now. Um, there was an opportunity for little kids to do gymnastics. Um, I didn't start till I was about 11. Hmm. And most of the kids were about my same age. There weren't like the six and seven-year-old little gymnasts. But I definitely was built for it. Um, our coach was so amazing, Willow. Um, he was so unselfish. And the gymnasts before me from Seattle were amazing. Uh, four Olympic gymnasts from Seattle that were older than me that were our role models. And they were also incredible gals, like just 
moral, some Christian, some not, but um, absolutely amazing gals for me to kind of follow in their footsteps and watch what they did. And I think it really shaped, you know, the person that I am, uh, the discipline of it, but also just, I don't know, there's something about gymnastics getting to fly through the air and kind of feel like a monkey in the trees and <laughs> defying gravity. You also crash and burn a few times, which I did and tore my knee to shreds. Um, but along the way, I just got amazing opportunities to win a few national championships and try out for the 72 and 76 Olympic team. Wow. That's so crazy. So you, you take on the sport at 11 years old. You obviously have no idea that you're going to take it that far, but you put in the work and the time you're describing amazing coaches in your life that sort of walked the journey. What was trying out for the Olympics? Like there's not very many people who can say they've done that. (laughs) I'm kind of curious what that was like. Yes. um, That in itself was quite a journey. So I was only, I was 16. I won the junior Olympics, which my grandma till the day she died thinks I won the Olympics. She was Swedish <laughs> and she goes, That's my granddaughter. She won the Olympics. I go, Grandma, it was the Junior Olympics. That's my granddaughter. She won the Olympics. So I, my grandma thinks I won the Olympics, but the journey is really over two years. And they take the top 40 women, girls, really, you compete, they drop it down then to the top 20. And then a few months later, the top 20 go for what they picked, the Olympic team. And it honestly, Willow, is like survival of the fittest. For In 1972, I'm then 17 years old. You are competing over four days and you're doing routines that everybody does the same routine. Those are called compulsories. Two days of that. So that's four, eight events in two days. Then you did what's called the optionals. That is your very own creative routine on all four events. So it's your own special music, your own special beam routine, bar routine. So the, then, you know, two more days of that. So literally it's kind of like who is left standing. So many injuries, they don't do it that way anymore. But I was so nervous. I followed a gymnast named Kathy Rigby. Some people still know she ended up being on Broadway being Peter Pan. She's a few years older than me. The Olympic trials were in Long Beach, California, and that's her hometown. And she's our best gymnast in 1972. So I had to follow her one of those whole days. And I remember Willow going up because the balance beam, which is, you know, four feet high, four inches off the ground, or four inches wide, four feet off the ground, was on a platform. So it's even higher up. And you had to go up these stairs, wait for the judge, you know, to signal the flag. I remember my heart beating so hard that I was sure the whole arena could hear it. And all this is being filmed by like Wide World of Sports, ABC, but they're mostly filming the girl in front of me because she was the eventual winner. But I remember absolutely asking God, oh God, please help me. And reciting in my head, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I'm like, I'm in a position that, It was scary, but then once you get going in your routine, it's like you kind of relax. And I did not make that Olympic team, but I did make what's called the Golden Dozen. So that's the top 12 girls in the nation. So my coach always said, Willow, enjoy the journey. What's the likelihood of you being an Olympic gymnast? Once every 
four years, six girls are an Olympic gymnast. He goes, enjoy the journey, enjoy the friends and keep loving what you do. And that's why I could keep doing it because I loved it. And our coach was so amazing. Such good advice. I mean, I'm just thinking as a mom of kids who did sports, but I hang out with so many moms of kids who do sports and sometimes even parents get so intense on, you know, the ultimate goal and outcome for their kids. And if you look at the odds, man, like the odds are very slim. Your kid's going to play for the NFL and enjoy the journey is such great advice. (laughs) You, you say you had this moment where you were talking to God as a 17 year old and you were kind of claiming his word. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. Where did your faith stem from? I was so blessed in the home I grew up in. Um, My mom and dad in 1951 went to a Billy Graham crusade where my dad for the first time met Jesus. My mom was already a believer. They were dating. They held hands and my dad said, let's go forward. This is how I want to live my life. And they literally, Willow, till my mom passed away two years ago, walked their journey with Jesus so well and loved us so well. So I really got an earthly example of what Jesus is like. They were not perfect parents by any means, but we knew about Jesus and we went to church and we talked about Jesus. And my dad was an amazing athlete. He's in the Hall of Fame for the UW. He played basketball and baseball for the UW. And so I just I just knew that's how I wanted to do life also was claiming Jesus's promises, asking him into my life and knowing that my gift of gymnastics was a gift from God. And I could use that gift to love others. And I do have a few teammates that met Jesus mostly because of my parents. They Mm -hmm. saw my parents, they were comparing to their own homes and they would say, that's how I want to live my life in a godly way. So it's just, it was ingrained really my whole life. I knew I had to claim it for my own self. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not a Christian just because they are, I made my own decision when I, when I really understood. Yeah. I love that you had such a beautiful gift in your parents and so cool that Jesus transformed your dad's life when they were dating, but then that you got to experience that, but also your faith became your own. I mean, not very many 17 year olds when faced with pressure are literally having like inner moments with God where they're claiming his word to encourage them in a moment of, of pressure, you know? Yeah, that was probably the most pressure I've ever felt in my life. Because you feel like all eyes are on you. You've just worked, you know, for years for that moment. And you have a daughter that was a gymnast. I mean, so I get my one, one little minute, you know, on the balance beam, I get my one minute and 30 seconds in my Florex routine. I worked and worked and worked, but then there's, that's my one minute. That's Mm -hmm. my minute and a half. My husband kind of teases me sometimes. Why would you do a sport that you only get to go up there for one minute? How about a basketball game? You get a lot longer. It's <laughs> so wasn't a very different good... than basketball. You can completely fail for one minute in basketball and you're good. You fail in gymnastics <laughs> for one minute and you're done, yes. though. Yeah, that's for sure. So you tried out for the Olympics and then went on to do college gymnastics and you experienced a terrible injury that revealed some things to you. Can you kind of rewind back to that that moment in time and what happened? Yes. Um, I actually had just won a national championship 
for SPU. It was SPC back in the day. And I was actually um, our school's first girl national champion. And because, so cool. you know, back when not as many women were competing and it's before Title IX that I was a freshman. So a week later, I'm actually in another big gymnastic meet, but it was in my home gym at SPU. And I'm practicing my uneven bar routine. And I, I, a lot of people know about Simone Biles. They, when she pulled out, they called it the twisties. Well, mm-hmm. I used to call it losing your air sense. You don't know whether your feet are up or down. or And that happened to me on the uneven bars. I thought my legs were still way up in the air when in reality they were down headed toward the mat. And I was twisting really hard, tore my ACL, MCL, and a big crash. It was so awful. Sounded like Velcro ripping. Oh, <laughs> And yeah. I remember thinking, oh my word, what have I done? You know? So emergency room, surgery, and I was really out for a long time, many, many months. It's not the rehab. This is 1971. So this is, they don't have the rehab then that they had now. Just Mm -hmm. lost so much of the muscle wearing this thing on my leg for months. I literally could only just walk back and forth on the balance beam for months. Balance beam actually became much better later. But I remember, Willow, two amazing things that the Lord did. One day I'm just crying because I, I had just been declared like one of the top 12 gymnasts in the nation. And then I just crashed and I'm going to be done, maybe forever. Um, I didn't think so, but you just never know. I felt like this one day when I was just crying in my bed, I was in pain. It's maybe two weeks after the surgery. I felt like the Lord touched my heart and said, don't you think I'm going to take care of you? Like a question. And I'm like, yes, you've taken care of me all my life. This At this time, I'm 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And I really felt that peace that God gives, not the world, that God was going to take care of me. And on the rest of my journey, that he's going to be with me. During that time after that, I got a chance to be on the 700 Club, to be on the cover of Campus Life magazine. People did stories because they wanted to know how do you deal with having an Olympic dream that just crashes and I'm hurt and I'm out for a long, long time? Also began to realize that my identity was in being a gymnast. I mean, everywhere I went, people go, oh, that's Debbie. This is our gymnast that tried out for the Olympic team. Or, hey, I want you to meet Debbie. She's a gymnast. She's that gymnast you heard about. And I'm like, no, I'm not a gymnast. I'm a child of God who happens to be a gymnast. And I felt like my identity as a gymnast was taken away for months and months and months. And I started to learn, I am God's kid. I am his child. All the other things that we are is just the little add-ons. That's not who we are. I'm not a gymnast. I'm not a speaker. I'm not a even coach's wife. I'm a child of God. It's so interesting to me, Debbie, because I think this idea of experiencing something where you're completely stripped of who you know yourself as, who other people know you as. I mean, you literally said you were declared one of the top 12 gymnasts in the nation. That's who you were. This was your community. It was your identity. It was all these things. And then one day it stripped. I mean, on a completely 
like smaller level, I can resonate as the mom of a gymnast who just had gymnastics stripped from her a year ago and it's been her whole life. But, and she's actually writing college, her college essay about this experience. But you seem to have some sort of like foundation in Jesus that sort of caught you before you could have spiraled. Because a lot of people um, don't, they don't have that. So they experience being stripped of something and it feels almost, you almost feel desperate or you feel frightened or you feel so insecure. You try to hold on to something and, you know, or you don't want to let, let it go. And it seems like all along the way in your story, you kept coming back to the things that you knew to be true about God. What's your advice for people who are in that place though, where they've been stripped of something that has been their identity and they're having a hard time um, grasping on to the idea that um, they are a child of God. That's not their foundation. And they, they're in that kind of like, I don't know who I am and who am I? And what's your advice for someone going through that? Well, uh, just, it wasn't immediate at all that I got to that place. I was so disappointed, Willow. I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? You know, um, I did have many woe is me moments. Again, I'm so thankful to have Christian parents. Um, You're going to be all right. Um, Look to Jesus. You know, I had a great foundation of family, but I think I've just always known that Jesus loved me and that he was with me. And again, like when I was talking about the Olympic trials at 17 years old, drawing on that from a young age, I just, that's why I love that people, they could meet the Lord at a young age and hang on tight for the ride. I think of it as this wild roller coaster ride. We get born, we got the family we're given, but we kind of get shot out into the world and it's got these dips and turns and twists. You know, you, you're looping this way, you're looping this way. Strap in with the God who loves you. Strap in tight, hold on tight, because in those low moments, on a when you're on one of those rides, like those crazy roller coaster rides, you're scared, you're looping, you're dipping, you're high, you're low. Hold on tight. And then I just had a lot of promises of God that I had memorized in my heart and that he will never leave me or forsake me. You might feel like it, that you're alone. But if you truly believe in his promises, you just claim it, even though you don't feel it. And then I think it's, again, just one step at a time. I was so disappointed, though, I have to tell you. I mean, a lot of tears, wondering, what's this all going to look like? And am I ever going to get to go back out there again? But had to get to the point that if I never did, I'm still going to be okay. Most of us desire to do amazing things with our lives, but we often doubt that we can. We let our weaknesses boss around our strengths and our insecurities drown out our gifting. But what if God could use exactly what we've got to pull off something big? Our book titled Yes You is a beautifully designed, full-color, 12-part Bible study where we center around the passage in John 6 where Jesus fed 5,000 people with one boy's lunch. As you engage scripture, read personal stories, and reflect on questions that invite you to new places, you'll be challenged, encouraged, and inspired. We can't wait for you to dive into this study, so go to wecollide.net slash store 
to get your copy of Yes You now. You know, we talk a lot about colliding with Jesus around here. You you know that. And I'm curious if you think back to that time, was there like a moment for you that you remember sort of a significant collision where Jesus showed up and met you in a way that you needed him to? Very much. Um, like I mentioned earlier, when I was crying, I was in pain and really feeling where he says, don't you think I'm going to take care of you? Interesting that it was a question. And then as I read in the New Testament, Jesus asked people a lot of questions. He just mm-hmm. kind of left it out there. So I had to answer that question. Don't you think I'm going to take care of you? Part of me is like, going, no, no, I don't. I kind of feel like I got abandoned. But you know what? No, he did take care of me. He still takes care of me. I do think that was a turning point. And that was just really a few weeks after I went from the highest high to the lowest low. ABC Wild Wide World of Sports used to say the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And that same day, Willow, I had just won another national championship. 20 minutes later, I'm just crashed and, and hurt. So I did have the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat all in the same day. And he was still there with me in both. So I just, I do think that was a huge moment though for me after I got hurt to just claim it. Okay, God, you're going to take care of me. I have no idea the outcome, but claim his promises, reread his promises, you know, fill your mind with his word and then claim it. I love that you're calling us to claim what we know to be true. It's almost, I think of it as like, giving myself pep talks or preaching to myself. I do a lot of like, I just preach to myself because I need it so badly. You know, when you talk about this, you, um, after this happened, you and your husband started getting highly involved in collegiate sports. You were at Western Washington University for 27 years, coaching, investing in kids. Tell us why you gave so much of your life away to this kind of work. Why is it that meaningful to you? I really feel that both Brad and I were called to this. Um, I remember being nervous, Willow, as a little kid, like, is God going to call me to the mission field, like go somewhere creepy that's got snakes and spiders. And I'm really not into huts, you know, kind of being scared that maybe that was going to be my calling. Mm-hmm. Um, when ultimately our calling, and we both believed that when we were dating and even early married, that it was coaching and kids invest our life in high school and college kids. I feel like they're still like wet cement. They They aren't fully formed in some of their thinking and we can love on them with the love of Jesus through sports. And we always have said that basketball, you know, for him coaching all those years, that's just the vehicle. It's his Christian calling to love on them enough to, to share Jesus with them. And mostly at the secular school, it's just living it out. I wouldn't say Brad, you know, preaches any sermons to his players over 27 years. He just lived it out that he loved them, cared about them. Oh my gosh, Willow, we've been, you know, in jails with times that kids got in trouble. And I've been in the labor and delivery room with the player's wife or girlfriend, or there's just so many things. I'm like, really, this is part of our calling. Um, 
the high highs of the big win, like winning a national championship, but the low lows of losing a game that you're just heartbroken about. The high high of having our own son played for Brad at Western. That was just like such a bonus. But we still love all these kids. And now some of them are in their 50s and late 50s. They still call us. A lot of them call me mom, you know, <laughs> almost their same age. And I do feel like it was our calling. And we're still doing it now as Brad just uh, decided that he's going to coach Sea Home High School boys basketball. So we have a whole nother group now to love on. Debbie, how much of the experience you had of, you know, sort of experiencing such great victory and then experiencing such a loss in your injury, that hardship, how much of that do you think shaped you and made you a better coach so you could have more impact on the kids that God knew you would impact for the next several decades? I think at the time I didn't realize this at all, but I do think um, I understood that, again, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat that it's all like a slice of life. We are not always going to get the job. We are not always going to win. There's going to be a lot of, of sadness and losses. And I think because I dealt with that as a 19-year-old, of it stripped away, we carried that into really our mission um, as a basketball coaching family because our kids were really very involved with all these players too. Mm -hmm. And they said it was a great way to grow up sometimes hard because they ride the wave of, oh, dad's team lost, dad's sad, <laughs> leave him alone, don't talk to dad till tomorrow. But um, <laughs> I think it prepared me. And then Brad was a two-sport collegiate athlete and experienced high highs and low lows. He had actually three coaches in the four years that he played at WSU. So he had to be super adaptable. And he was the point guard and point guard's kind of have to run the show. And he had three different coaches in his time there. So all of those things we didn't even realize at the time when we're young are preparing us for years and years and years of coaching high school and college kids, riding the roller coaster with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because obviously none of us experience all victories and all loss, but you keep talking about claiming what you know to be true. And the same God who's with you in your victories is the same God who's with you in your losses. And you were kind of this voice for so many people or this example of sort of claiming that and living out that belief. You've coached young women for years. Um, you've coached coaches' wives. You've coached cheerleaders. I mean, you've coached so many people. When you do... Um, and you talk to people who experience a loss and all they've ever known is mostly victory and they need to sort of redream or reinvent themselves. What advice do you give them? I think, um, Willow, just to kind of hang in there, um, we don't always win. And then some have come from, say, programs where these high school kids come from a highly successful program or they played all the time in high school, but when we were at Western Washington University, every kid on the team was the star of their team. And like even my cheerleaders, when I coached 20 years of cheerleading at their high schools, they're the top 
amazing cheerleader at their high school, but you come as a group in college, they're probably not the top one anymore. And that they've got to just realize that you're not always going to be the best, but you sure can be a good team member. Or some of these players will have to sit on the bench and they've never sat on the bench. And Brad will talk to them and just say, are you going to be part of this team? This is your role. Can you accept that your role is now to just come in for a few minutes and not play the whole game? So there's a lot of psychological parts of our coaching too, just having to accept you might not be the superstar anymore, but you're still part of a team and you're part of something that's that's good. Being part of a team is a great life lesson that we can take into the rest of our lives. You know, how to win, how to lose, how to be kind, you know, how to how to deal with victory, how to deal with defeat. Do you see Jesus coaching? And and if you do, I'm kind of curious what cues you take from him on how he coaches people in their lives and how you've taken that and brought it into your work when you're coaching people. That's a great analogy because I think Jesus was probably the ultimate coach. Um, he gathered his 12, his starting 12. Look how unique they were, how their gifts were so radically different from each other. And the, some of them, even the disciples going, whoa, we have to have Matthew, the tax collector on our team. Um, he was so kind. Jesus is so kind. And he, I think, is so patient. And you know, at times, though, Jesus flipped tables and got angry because sometimes see Brad really getting on his team, but he's like using constructive criticism to teach. So Jesus had all those gifts that a great coach has. Jesus gives us those gifts. And I just think we need to include him in every area of our life. And that's another thing I learned as I actually got older is we're a Christian and walking like Jesus in every walk of life, not just on Sunday, not just here. It's, it's you're being a mom. It's being a grandma. It's being a coach. It's being a teacher. It's in all walks of life. He needs to be invited in to guide us because really in all, all reality, we don't know what we're doing um, in this world without using the Bible as our guidebook and Jesus as, like you said, the ultimate coach. You know, you you were a, a serious athlete growing up all the way into college. You and your husband have had a huge ministry investing in coaching and kids for decades. You just mentioned you became a mom and now a grandma. How how significantly did becoming a mom and then a grandma just change your life? Because I think a lot of times when we're younger, like go back to the 16-year-old you, the 17-year-old you, you have this, you know, huge goal of going in Olympics and it's all gymnastics, right? And then you move into another season and you're married and you and your husband have sort of this this work that you do together. And then you get a new role. And I always love to ask people who go before me, you're, you go before me by some years, you know, women's roles change and there's so many different seasons. And I'm just kind of curious how 
you know, how it was for you to move into like the life as a mom and a grandma. That's like a completely different role than you'd had before. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and when we had our firstborn, Lindsay, um, we also moved from our whole support network. We had moved to be at Olympia High School. Brad had been coaching college and we did high school in Olympia for four years. So when she's less than about a week old, we moved from Seattle to Olympia where we knew no one, brand new mom, a brand new job. I remember kind of going, whoa, it's like the brakes just hurt. Everything just kind of stopped. Um, It was not easy at first because I had my parents, my siblings, my friends all in the Seattle area. And we really, really started over. Um, we're also very involved in Young Life, and that really helped during this time because besides Brad coaching at the high school, we both became Young Life leaders at that high school. And so honestly, my friends were the high school kids until I started to meet some other moms you know, at church and mm-hmm. at different things. I laughed for months, and we're still friends with a bunch of those kids. Because That's they cool. became our friends and babysitters. So I kind of, for many years, I just think, again, God had us uh, hanging out with kids for a reason. But uh, it was a huge adjustment to go kind of full speed ahead with my own athletics, um, newlyweds, moving, and also newborn baby. And just, you know, the sleepless nights and really no friends down there. But again, got involved in a great church and started meeting some great people. But and then becoming a grandma has just been so wonderful. I always tell people how they turn out is not my fault. So hey, grandma, being a grandma is so freeing. (laughs) You just love them. I love my grandkids so much. They bring so much joy. And uh, we're very involved in their lives. You know, you mentioned earlier that some of the greatest advice you got from one of your coaches early on is to enjoy the journey. And it really sounds like you have enjoyed the journey. I think what I'm realizing, I'm nearing 50 here in a year. Um, I feel like I should start a countdown calendar or something. Um, (laughs) You know, we, we have a lot of seasons as women that shift, our roles shift. And life shifts and we experience what we've talked about, victories and losses, and then you move into another season. And I think there's a lot of capacity to not enjoy our seasons, to get really discontent, to get unhappy, to wish our season looked differently than it did, to wish that we could um, go back and return to another season or fast forward this hard one to get to another one. And I'm just curious when you think about women uh, who are listening, who are having a very hard time just being content in the season that God has them in now, as a coach, can you coach us? How do we find contentment to enjoy this part of the journey that we're in today? I think, Willow, one thing is to realize you never get today back. Today is a gift. Um, I think with losing my mom two years ago, who was really, besides my mom, one of my best friends, because she was 21 when she had me, and I felt like we just really journeyed. I'm the oldest of the five kids. Um, Every day when she was battling cancer, we hated that she had cancer, but it was like we got one more day with her. And I really think 
We need to wake up in the morning and thank God for today. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. We all look back sometimes. Oh, maybe I should have done, should have done this. Or we wish away. You've got toddlers or even teenagers. They're challenging. Like, oh, we, when they get to college, then maybe I'll, you know, do this or feel better. How about we just look at those kids today? Thank God for them, for their life. What could I do today to encourage them? I think we need to quit looking at, oh, I'm feeling this crummy and I'm depressed or whatever. I mean, I'm I'm not that we aren't going to all be depressed sometimes. How about though in that day, who could I bless today with a smile, with a coffee, with a call, with a text, look Mm -hmm. outward instead of like just getting stuck that I don't like this season. And you know what, Willow, there are some seasons that are really hard. I always laugh. People go, how long have you been married? And I say 44 seasons because of basketball seasons. Our life was very seasonal. It's like, oh, great. Basketball's just about over. We can go on a vacation now and leave it for a while. So I really understand the seasons and kind of wanting the season to be over sometimes. Sometimes I didn't want the season to be over because it was such a good season. But really, again, I had a great coach. Jesus is a great coach. Rejoice in today. You never get your four-year-old again on that day or your 16-year-old or my grandkids. I've got a high school grandkid going to go watch his first football game today. I just want to enjoy this moment because it's not going to come again. Hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your story and your heart with us today, Debbie. It was so good to hang out with you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for what you do, Willow. You've blessed so many women all over the world. And I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you so much. I know there's going to be women who want to connect with you. And I'm curious if there's a way they can do that. I would be absolutely happy to have anybody email me. Um, My email is djbbmom at hotmail.com. So it's like stands for Debbie Jackson basketball mom. But again, (laughs) djbbmom at hotmail.com. I would absolutely love to dialogue with anybody, coach's wife, cheerleader, just anyone that needs to be encouraged in their journey. Thank you, Debbie. I hope you have fun today at the game. Thank you. Back to more games. That's awesome. Another season. Okay. Love you, friend. Love you too. Take care. Hey, friend, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Debbie. It is so cool to hear the story of her life and the way that God has just shown up in all of her seasons. I love the advice that her coach gave her when she was a little girl. Enjoy the journey. I hope that in the midst of whatever season you're in, that you can enjoy the journey and that you can, as she says, strap into God who loves you and hold on tight. Such good advice. Friend, if you need more resources to encourage you in your faith so that you can keep colliding with Jesus and be reminded that He is at work, 
that He is here, that He is present, that He is loving, that He's the best coach, check out our website at weekalive.net. We have lots more resources besides this podcast. And if you want to subscribe to this so it comes to you every single week, you can easily do that on whatever platform you listen to. Have a great week. Keep colliding and know you're loved.